This episode of Half a Star is sponsored by Hay. Not just for horses anymore. On this very special episode of Half a Star, we have Canadian comedy legend Sean Collins. But since he's a Canadian comedy legend, uh, we still have to tell you who he is. He's great, he's funny, he had an amazing special on Comedy Now years ago. Now he's living in the UK and he's doing fantastic things. We're really lucky to have him on the show. And thanks to James Mullinger for setting him up with us, but we'll get into that in a second. Justin, it's also our season finale, so I'm going to give us a list of half-a-star shows that only lasted a season. Oh. Hopefully Hopefully I won't be tempting fate. And hopefully we won't be on that list. All this and more on Half a Star, where bad ideas make great stories. He's Justin. He's Ben. Take it away, Rob. I don't listen because it's a podcast. But if you feel that you must, here they are then, Ben and Justin. Together they are half of a star. Ben, I'm so excited for this episode because we've got Sean Collins. He's a fantastic comedian. When I was growing up, I remember watching TV on this like little 12-inch TV that my parents let me keep in my room because they were like, oh, we don't need this anymore. It was like a garbage black and white tube TV. Um, and I remember watching CTV, Channel 9, mm-hmm. Prince Edward Island. Um, and one Saturday night, they had Comedy Now. And there was a special by this comedian telling this amazing story about his, him and his, uh, his group of buddies going on spring break, vac- like on the spring break vacation in Fort Lauderdale. And I laughed uncontrollably. I'm this little kid. And I remember going to school the next Monday and telling kids on the bus, like word for word, the story that's like so beyond my years as if like, there's this kid, what's he talking about here? And lo and behold, skip ahead like 20 years. And now I get to, I get to chat with him. Yeah. It's a really big deal for us to get to talk to Sean Collins. He's like a legitimate Canadian comedy legend. And we actually, uh, let's be honest, probably couldn't have done this on our own. Absolutely. We could not have. So we want to really give a shout out to our former guest and friend of the show. He is still currently a friend of the show. He's not a former friend of the show. uh, James Mullinger. Uh, really hooked us up with this because uh, for those of you that were listening to James's episode way back when we were young, uh, earlier on this year, we actually asked him to uh, appeal to Sean to get him to come on the show. And he obliged us and did so. And we recorded him asking Sean Collins to be on the show and we posted it on our social media. And before we knew it, Sean Collins responded with a thumbs up and he said, I'm in. So fantastic. I was so pumped by it. What is so funny about James and Sean is Sean is a Canadian comedian who left to live in the UK and James is a UK comedian who left to work in Canada. So it's a funny little trade-off and we have them both on the show in, in the same season. So that to me is, uh, that's, that's boffo. Um, and Justin, this is, a, this is a rather auspicious episode because it's the final episode of our first season. We made it. We did it. This yeah. is... Uh, we've had, this is our 22nd episode. We put together 22 full episodes with 22 
individual uh, guests. Uh, some of them were groups, some were uh, just individuals. We have had artists, comedians, uh, musicians, Amazing Race Canada finalists. Uh, <laughs> and it's been just so, so mind boggling. We started this as a, uh, as a means of just keeping ourselves occupied during this uh, uncertain times. And it really took on a life of its own. Uh, the more people we reached out to and the people that reached out to us just wanting to share their best worst story. Um, yeah. Well, it, it's really, it's really interesting because, you know, you and I often joke about um, the best time to start a podcast with guests is during a pandemic when everyone is uh, on, like nobody is able to say they're too busy to be on your show. Yeah. We, we can see that red check Mark. Thank you on, <laughs> on Facebook there folks. Uh, so we we're very grateful for all of our past guests. Uh, we, we hope uh, you, you keep listening in the future. I hope uh, everybody's listening to all these wonderful bad stories, these great stories born out of a bad idea. And I think there's really something to it because I think it's a, there's a universal humility that comes to these stories that really grounds even the highest status comedian like Sean Collins that makes them feel oh, wow, these are just normal, everyday people. And it's such a, such a treat to be able to share this, um, share this with the world. Absolutely. And so to celebrate the idea of us finishing our first season, I thought I would share a list of shows, television shows, that we can now confidently say we are as successful as. We did it. We did it. Right. And honestly, given the fact that we are our own producers, we can safely say that we've been renewed for season two. So in a way we're better than these. Being said, if, if any big fancy companies want to take on another podcast under their umbrella, have hit us up. Yeah. We're, uh, we're open. Okay, Justin. So I want to start our list off with uh, a name you're familiar with. So the uh, first list the first uh entry on our list of worst television shows to only last a season is casablanca it was a tv show that lasted for 10 episodes between 1955 and 1956 so not even that far after the movie came out huh. and it was meant to be a prequel series hmm. featuring some of the supporting characters as the main characters of the show so when now, he said play it again sam he actually did yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah. And yeah, uh, obviously it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. uh, people weren't super jazzed about it because that movie, as far as I can tell, is perfect. So why would you want to like go back and try to, you know, fix anything or, or, or uh, illuminate any parts of it or anything like that? Um, but it didn't work out badly enough to stop them from trying again because... Oh. There was a second Casablanca television show in 1983 that lasted for five episodes. How could one great movie make two lousy TV shows? So you're asking the right questions. Yeesh. Well, leave uh, it, that, that's, what, that's what happens when you get a good franchise on your hands. They try to milk it till all it's worth. You have this one great movie, and then you go to sleep happy with the movie. Then you wake up, and bam, Jimmy Neutron's got his own friggin' TV show, and he's all over your lunchbox. Did I just yeah, you, compare Casablanca to Jimmy Neutron? Absolutely. You did. 
Um, so what you're saying is it's time for the CCU to die, the Casablanca Cinematic Universe? Absolutely. Get out of here. <laughs> I can't wait for when they inevitably remake Casablanca with, like, Kevin Hart and uh, Karen Gillum as, like, the two leads or something. You know Not what? Not that there's anything wrong with either of those performers. It just seems like they're, like, very in vogue right now. I can wait. Kevin can wait. What's next on the list? Number two on the list, Justin, is something I'm sure you're quite familiar with, uh, being who you are. Uh, do the word, do hey, the what letters. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> who am I? You'll understand when I say it. Do the letters XFL mean anything to you? Uh, Extreme Football League. Hell yeah. So it's not technically a TV show, but it did only last one season. Twice. That's true. It did. It what? How does it last one season twice? Like, that's a thing that I cannot believe we live in a plane of existence where the XFL has something in common with Casablanca. <laughs> remarkable to me. Um, what I really appreciate about the XFL is that it gave people who are even more conservative an alternative to the NFL, the, the league that has, like, military flyovers before every game and like massive uh national anthem like productions and like all this kind of thing if you if you're even more right wing than that you can go to the xfl uh which is uh which is a a football league for trump's america hey evolve it's it's football if it was run by kid rock it's yeah and and we haven't really explained particularly what the XFL is, but it was uh, a football league that was run by the same people who run uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, which is why yeah. I said Justin would appreciate it. And what's interesting now is majority sharehold has been purchased by none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, he's trying to save it, right? Because they, they, did, they did sort of one season this year. They did. And then... But didn't, it didn't quite happen. Most of two reasons. One, uh, the pandemic. Two, it's the XFL. What? And finally, Justin, the number one entry on our worst television shows yes. that uh, only lasted a season. I had never heard of this show. Um, it's, uh, it was on ABC, apparently. Okay. It's called The Ugliest Girl in Town. If you're interested in what the plot of the show was. I'm not, but tell me uh, anyway. It was a man who was mistaken for a woman and got a modeling contract. The end. Who? Who? Why? You're asking the right questions. Um, uh. Yeah, it's an ABC sitcom. It ran from 1968 to 1969. And it was filmed in London, but never aired there. Huh. So they, they had a 20-episode order, and they only ever filmed 17 episodes before it got canceled. Yeesh. It kind of reminds me of that Marilyn Monroe movie where they dress up as ladies and try to oh, yeah. get yeah, on the run. Yeah, some like it hot. Yeah. yeah, but I think this show, better tagline, none like it hot. Hey! Hey! We're burning them. Um... So those are shows that were ill, I'd say ill-fated from the get-go. I think so. They were, it's like, what are you trying to, what are you trying to do? 
So they only lasted one season. So we're really hoping, folks, that our show, which I would say could have been ill-fated from the early onset. When this began, it was literally just Ben and I goofing around, uh, just chatting about half things that are bad ideas. And then we got the idea of why don't we invite guests onto this show and ask them to share their, ide- our, uh, their ideas. And our first guest was Adam Brazier of the Charlottetown Festival, uh, artistic director, great guy, really funny, really talented. And he came on and shared this jaw-dropping story, which to date still has the highest plays by a gross disproportion uh, on our playlist. Uh, so check it out. Check that episode back uh, out. And, and uh, also, yeah. just listen to the whole first season again. So thank you once again to all of our guests. Uh, thank you to Ben and me for coming to our senses and realizing, oh, this program works way better if we get guests to come on and give us the content. <laughs> I got to say, like, honestly, that like, as successful as this show is, it's almost in spite of our best efforts. Yeah, we, we tried to sink it. <laughs> We were the iceberg. We were the iceberg and the Titanic. That's and, true. Yep. And our guests were Kate Winslet. And speaking of Kate Winslet. Yes. Let's go to our next guest, shall we? What's to be said about Sean Collins? Well, he's a Canadian. He's got over 25 years of experience in stand-up comedy, with initial success leading to Best Male Stand-Up nominations at the Canadian Comedy Awards, a Just for Laughs gala set in Montreal, as long as his own hour-long special on Canadian television. You might have seen him on Comedy Now and a lot of reruns on Just for Laughs. He's a great guy, really funny. We're lucky to have him, Sean Collins. Thanks for being here. Hey, no problem, man. We got a lot of time on our hands. So <laughs> coming up more and more. True enough. But, true enough. Yeah. Yeah. So how um, are you? What is the situation like there? Uh, just starting to open up. Um, it got turned down. The um, the mandatory masks got turned down in Parliament, so they're not happening. There's a lot. I think you guys are a okay. little bit behind us, and I think there's also a a fear with your neighbor with. Um, America just exploding on the scene with different cases that I think there's a fear in Canada, you know, an understandable, it's a new thing and stuff like that. Uh, here, I think it's because it's swept over, uh, we're about, I think, two weeks ahead of you, just like mm-hmm. Italy was two weeks ahead of us. So like any virus, it's starting to plateau now and starting to, we're getting back to, you know, like maybe 100 cases a day. And as you know, it's not a death sentence for most people who get it. So it's starting to calm down. and. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get back to no social distancing because, uh, and I just don't want to live like that. I don't yeah. want to, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't want to walk around in a mask and I don't want to be worried about being two meters and have somebody freak out. I just, yeah. I just think it's, it's, you know, you can say what you will, but it's not really life, is it? Living like that. It's, mm. it's, it's like a science fiction film we're living in right now. Yeah, you know? true so, enough. So if it opens up, I'll, you know, I'll let you guys know if you want to follow up on, on what it was like to do my first gig back. But yeah. To do a football club is pretty cool over here as well. 
to do. Yeah, so you're doing like a socially distanced stand-up show in the middle of a football, which we would call soccer, I guess, uh, stadium, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Actually, it's funny you should say that. I was a guest on their show, Soccer AM, here. And uh, they came back into the green room before I went out. And, uh, it's an hour show uh, on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning. I can't remember, but the guy came back and said, look, uh, don't call it soccer. Just don't. <laughs> and, and I just looked at it and I was just like, man, your show is called Soccer AM. You know? <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, and I'm not allowed to say it's soccer, but they don't like it. But yeah, it's a big deal. Um, we got uh, a request here in my town where I live in Gosport, which is, if you guys know anything about, it's the South Coast near Portsmouth on the water. Okay. Okay. Um, you can, I can see the Isle of Wight from where I live and it's a ferry ride over to France. It's not that far. I don't think it's in France. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, we got permission to do one as well in a big field possibly. So that's what... We're going to try to make it as best we can to survive until the social distancing stuff and hopefully it happens soon ends. That's what we can hope for, you know. Cool. Because we're living in a fucked up time. I mean, it forced Ben and I to start a podcast. So this is, uh, (laughs) we are in the darkest timeline. Uh, You know what? It's good, man. I was listening to him. So I kind of did some homework. Oh, (laughs) that's That's better than most of our guests. So that's good. (laughs) We, uh, I listen to James. I listen to James one, and and he came ramble on. And oh, I look man. forward to the story he's going to tell me because depending on what it was, I can tell you I have some fucking stories to tell him. About him <laughs> I'm uh, I'm very okay for this to be a platform of uh, pen pal between uh, Sean and James, just with uh, digging up past <laughs> stories. But uh, in the uh, in the episode where we had James. Uh, he shared a story about his worst set ever, and I believe it was uh, performing uh, for Jimmy Carr. I think he was hosting the event, and he comes up. I don't know if it was like a seven-minute set, but he completely bombs and just hanging his head in shame. And then you're coming up to bat clean up after that mess. You just go up on stage, and you begin telling jokes about Stella because apparently that's considered a cheap drink in the U.K., yeah, uh, it's not exactly a uh, high high brew here either, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, it it is imported though, so it's kind of fancy. Fancy. Well, so, the nickname the nickname for it here is wife beater, so that's right. what they call it. Yeah. Right. So, so there you go. Um. So, do you have uh your your experience from that story? Do you remember anything about that night? Do you know what? Probably not. I mean, I've always. Uh, I've always been hardworking and I always go in and out. And the, one of the things that I had to learn over here is like when you're in Canada, you do an hour show. Uh, when you're here, um, it's a 20 minute set. Hmm. <clears throat> so on that night, and, and when I first came over here, it was booming here. So if you were good, you got a lot of work. I mean, I did nine shows one night in London on a Friday night in nine different venues. So I just timed it so that I was on off stage, next venue on off stage. You know, I made, a, a, you know, an incredible amount of money. And that, that's why when people ask me why I left, that's why I left. Because there was nobody mm-hmm. saying to me, you can't perform there if you perform here. They were just booming and they just said, work as much as you want. Um, shit, I've gone off topic, haven't I? What were no, we no, no. No, that's uh, great. 
That's uh, honestly, uh, that would have that would have been one of my next questions anyway. What makes a, a Canadian entertainer make the jump all the way to the UK? Now I know there's a rich history of comic, but of comedy in the UK. But uh, uh, from a business perspective, like what were the motivators? Uh, but it sounds Money. like yeah, it, that's interesting. It was it was for the first time in my life I wasn't sort of at the at the whim. Of, of you know, and I'm not. I mean, you're never going to get me to bash yuck yucks. I think comics have uh, a, um, a weird relationship with yuck yucks because they assume yeah. yuck yucks is going to develop their career, but they're not. They're a chain of comedy clubs. That's all they are. They're a large chain of comedy clubs. They've developed some incredible talent there, and you have to use it, in my opinion, if you want to do this for a living, as a springboard to something else. You have to because there just wasn't enough work in Canada with the amount of great comedians there are in Canada. And there are incredible comedians. When I came out, myself and, and, and Tom Stade and Tim Nutt and, and Chuck Brown, we were all throwing hate, we were all doing well. And then I had Derek Edwards, Mike Wilmot, all these guys that were beside us. You know, it's just hard. There's just not enough clubs to, to support us, to make us, you know, make us a good living. And when I came here, um, the amount of work was unbelievable. I could come here and earn enough money to live back in Canada for two or three months in, in oh. two weeks. Hmm. So, uh, you know, when you're talking about making about, you know, you can make 5,000 pounds in two weeks or, you know, and then take it back to Canada to get a change that's 10,000 Canadian dollars and you can just sit down and chill out for a little bit and work on other stuff. And that's what I was doing. Uh, Mike Wilmon is probably the best at it because he, he stays in Canada, but comes here and he's, He's a fabulous comedian in both, and it's a great way to earn a living doing that. I've got kids here now, so I hang close to be here. Yeah, so this well, is my thing now. As uh, as somebody who uh, has made the business decision to live in Fort McMurray, Alberta, uh, <laughs> in the interest of making money, I can definitely respect the uh, uh, the business side of uh, of these things. But uh, it's interesting. It sounds like. Um, Sounds like there's a bit of a boom for comedy in the in the UK compared at least to uh, to Canada. There's lots of there was there yeah. was, but then jonglers collapsed. Um, oh, you guys did it. and that when that collapsed, that left a bit of a hole, but it came back. So um, yeah, it was it was busy here. If you were good, you were busy. And then there's an incredible um, theater tour. There's a group of comedians that are there's superstars that are playing stadiums, but then you've got other comedians that could fill out you know, two to 500 seaters and they're, they're traveling around doing comedy. It was, it was unbelievable. Like on any, a, a small theater on any weekend or week could have four or five comedians on there selling really well. And then you've got comedy clubs as well. And so it was, it was that I'm getting older now, so I'm trying to push on with other things. So um, <laughs> I know the younger guys are going to be biting at me soon. <laughs> well, you got, um, you got two young guys just wanting to hear about how, uh, how it all happened like how you got from point a to point b so uh, again it's appreciated that uh you can share your uh your insight your wisdom to uh all the work you've done in comedy which takes hey, um, oh yeah go ahead justin sorry i was gonna say this takes us to uh our next point in the half star recording this is a program where we invite guests to share their half star experiences their stories things they may have encountered in their personal professional life whether it's a half star idea a story an experience something they've had and given the kind of comedy you do sean the ones that are built around these bizarre tales of uh, of camaraderie uh i'm willing to bet there's got to be something in the thought tank 
Do you have anything for us, Sean? Well, this is uh, allegedly, but we'll say this one. I, uh, I went to Glastonbury, the festival, to perform. Okay. Um, and we had a film crew with us um, to film us uh, because we're, you know, Pink Floyd was performing there. We were in the comedy tent. It was, it's the biggest festival in the world. It was spectacular. Um, I, uh, I uh, kind of, I did acid and uh, <laughs> <laughs> got paranoid and hid from the camera crew until the festival was over. So the money invested in coming to see, to see us basically to do this documentary on comedy with me being one of the stars and I hid in a tent with this chick and every time someone came by, I, and they couldn't find me. So that was it. So that was it. how to blow a big chance in comedy, do acid and hide from the camera crew. That's so, yeah. That's a, that is a, Quick cut and dry story, which uh, I think that honestly says uh, it's not always about length, is it, Ben? Uh, it's, it's how you use it, you know. <laughs> exactly, it's not about length; it's how you use it. Uh, but uh, that is a that is a gem of a half star story. Now it uh, yeah. With your, I'm interested. I'm interested. Yeah. Because um, we asked James the same question, so I guess I'll ask you. Do you do you have any memory of what you would call your worst set? Mm. Um, there's been some terrible sets that I've ever had. The worst one I ever had would have been uh, in Saskatchewan. Um, just the most memorably worst one I ever had was, um, I mean, we used to get gig sheets. There was no mobile phone. So we get a gig sheet of, of, of our tour and I was out on it and I noticed that I had a gig at, from like one to two in the afternoon on this day. <laughs> and there was no name on where I was performing. And I was like, you know, all it had was the address, but they, they didn't say where I was performing. So I drove up and I could see the neon ass bent over up in the distance. And I thought, oh, I bet you booked me in a strip club. And sure enough, <laughs> right? Sure enough, I pull up and that's, that's where I am. So they, they want to do comedy for the first time. And I remember being in the back just going, why? Like... You know, there's eight drunk people in the afternoon in Saskatchewan um, just hammered looking at day strippers. What do you think they want to laugh? You know, like, holy cow. So they put me on. Uh, I was supposed to do 30 minutes, and they put me on after a woman who shot ping pong balls out of her vagina. So, and I have to admit, she was good, man, because the people in the crowd... The people in the crowd were, were really into it. And even I was into it. I was going, fuck, I can't follow this. I can't. <laughs> That's, you know, it's such a talent. Like, to be able, imagine sitting at home as, as a human being or even a, even a woman and saying, you know what? How can I earn a living? Well, I've got ping pong balls and I've got a vagina. What could I do? And then just to sit down and practice that. That's phenomenal to me. So, but I had to go on after her, and I'll never forget this. I went up on stage and they introduced me and the drunk guy in the front row just looked up and it's the best heckle ever, but he said to me, uh, well, you're not a woman. <laughs> I, I said, I know, I know I'm not. And he goes, well, what the fuck are you doing up there? And I said, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, he got up, he said, how long are you, and this is when smoking was on still, and he went, how long are you supposed to do? And I said, 30 minutes, and he said, fine. And he just walked out the glass strip club door and just stood there smoking fags, smoking cigarettes, and just 
looking through the window at me, right? And I died. I mean, I died like you wouldn't believe. Like you could hear fucking, I think somebody was playing pool too in the corner of the street. Like, fucking awful. And then he, he, at the 30 minute mark, the door opens around 20, 29 minutes, the door opens and that guy who was smoking cigarettes just went, you're off. <laughs> and then went and sat down and I said, thank you very much. Yeah, that was horrendous. And then I called my, uh, the agent who booked it, <coughs> who didn't answer the phone <laughs> or the gig, but he answered it afterwards. And I said, I started screaming and he said, Sean, Sean, Sean. And he stopped me and goes, yeah, it was awful, wasn't it? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you got 200 cash? And I said, yeah. And he goes, shut the fuck up. All right, now go enjoy the rest of your day. And I was like, you're absolutely right. You know, you might as well just do it. Take the 200 quid. I've died on my ass before. I might as well get 200 quid because it was going to give me more gas money. It was going to give me more, you know, road yep. expense. So, of course, man. He was right. He just didn't want to tell me because he didn't want to hear the belly aching the whole way. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we. yeah. That was... It just stuck in my fucking head. Just dying that bad. But just that guy saying, you're off. Yeah. Like, imagine... <laughs> Imagine being so, hating someone so much that you watch your watch and just go, okay, he's not doing anything over 30, right? And then, You're up. Yeah, and I was happy to get off, man. And I even thanked Ping Pong Girl in the back. I just said, I never want to follow you again. Man. I, just, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there's a comedian out there. You'd have to be pretty clever to follow that. It's a very strong lead in. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very yeah. sex positive episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, yeah. If if that's not an indication of the state of uh, Canadian comedy, then I don't I don't know what is. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it strikes me as some sort of like alternate universe after dark episode of Corner Gas. Yeah, it, but you have to realize too, guys. Like I've been in this thirty years. Why is that one in my head so much? And and those shitty gigs seem to define us because. When you just do something that bad, then when, when I used to go into gigs and they go, oh, it looks pretty shitty. And I was like, this is nothing, man. Right. I mean, you know, this is, I've already done one of the worst gigs you could possibly do. So it was, you know, it just kind of paves your way. You got to do the shit ones. This is what the comics have to, have, you have to, to get better. Do rooms where it almost is impossible to get a laugh. You have to go up and die on your ass in a corporate event. You have to go up and you have to see the difference and learn how to play them. I, of all people, learned how to and did the biggest corporate showcase in London here and ended up doing like pretty much the best on the night, the critics said. And I'm not a corporate comic, but I wrote a 30-minute corporate set that was perfect. I took the swearing out of it because from a business point of view, I can make more in a corporate than I can, you know, so I'll go up there and I'm getting good at them. So it was a business point of view, but when you can start making, you know, really good money doing four gigs in a month why not you know right. and it frees you up to do other projects i so, mean um, even if you replace the word comedy or comedian out of this uh this story uh it act uh, your experience actually kind of speaks to the heart of why we do this show uh why is it this bad set sticks with you so long mm -hmm. and that in in response you end up doing like all of these other great shows and it makes you be better but what is it about that experience that sticks with you? So I think there's definitely something to be said about your worst experience, not necessarily as a sense of shame, but something that lives with you that uh, keeps you moving forward in a way. And that's why bad ideas make good stories.
Great stories, even. That's our tagline. Excellent. <laughs> Gotta get it in yeah. for Brandon. Yeah, yeah. That all just kind of stewed in my head as you're telling that. I was like, it's coming together. It's the yeah. show. It's starting to make yeah, sense. No, everything does. This thing that I'm doing, I'm only on show five, but we're already starting to. You know, I think I had four thousand uh, views or of it. So I'm going to keep doing it. You know, and 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 you just in the pandemic, we have to do what we have to do to survive. Yeah. Right now, so you might as well work on others. That's why. Like I said, I want to. I'm. I'm going to write the Hoss Tank and Bear script. I'm yes. going to start it. Start it from where we met. Oh, um, cool. And and then the final scene will be uh, the swimming race, and then the party afterwards. So we'll 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 do it like a Canadian strange brew kind of spring nice. break kind of thing. That's what I want to do. So I'm going to do these things rather than sitting and bitching about where life is. I'm going to try to do everything that I can. Now, Sean. It is our season finale, so we, we want to end off on a strong note. So I have a very important question to ask. That story you told us, that half-star story about you in the strip club, and that guy said, well, wait, you're not a woman. In that moment, did you ever think about a Canadian reboot of The Ugliest Girl in Town? There's money in it. I'm just saying, the original was shot in London. You live in England now. It's a thing that could happen. You'd have at least one season of work, so. Maybe the time difference is causing a delay on the channel? I there don't... might be. Or he might be keeping up in the tradition of this show ending with a hang-up. Now, Justin, I understand that it's starting to get to you, but it's our season finale, so I think let's just send us off into the sunset for the year on a positive note and just be happy huh i don't listen because it's a podcast that's it for another episode of half a star folks and that's actually it for a season of half a star so thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it we'll be back with season two soon enough uh, I have been Ben. Than he has been Justin. Justin. Thank you so much for listening. They are half of a star. Take care of yourselves. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Don't go to the park. And Black Lives Matter. One more time. I don't listen because it's a podcast. But if you feel that you must hear they are, then Ben and Justin together they are half of a star. One more time. I don't, I don't listen, listen because, because it's, it's a, a podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> if you feel that, that you, you must, must. <laughs> here they are, they're Ben and Justin. Together, they make half of a, a star. star. One more time. <laughs> <laughs>